Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour sponsored by Lake Monster Brewing and that's Badass Wood Art. Remember to use promo code CTPOCKET for 20% off any one item at thatsbadasswoodart.com. Today, continuing the draft conversation, we're joined by Devin Jackson of the Philadelphia Inquirer, someone we all met down at the Senior Bowl. Devin, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on and uh, always excited to talk ball. A couple weeks here from the NFL draft, so yeah, uh, it's closing in quickly, trying to uh, get as many evaluations done as I can. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, great to see you guys again. Uh, like you said, we met down at the Senior Bowl and uh, lots of great conversation there. So uh, excited to continue continue that and, and uh, dive into this uh, receiver and defensive line class. Before we get to the wide receiver and defensive line class, I have to give the mic to Miles because uh, he's got he's got a good question. I think that's very applicable to the Vikings situation. So I'll let you take it there, Miles. Yeah, Devin, how you doing, man? Good, good to see you. Um, yeah, good to see you too, man. So one thing that I was thinking about, and I think it came up um, in the draft uh, on Twitter yesterday, was when when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts, they obviously had Carson Wentz. I think they had literally just paid Carson Wentz. Or gave him a contract extension. Maybe it was that year or the year before. I can't quite remember, but they decided to draft uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round that year. And I remember seeing mixed reviews across, you know, whether it's Eagles fans or just like the draft community as a whole of like thinking that, that, that they reached on Jalen Hurts and thinking that it was a bad decision, a waste of resources, yada, yada. You think of all the, all the shit people would say. Right. And I was curious just a few things of like what your thoughts were on that scenario as, you know, covering the Eagles and, um, also, just from that, what like how you viewed Howie Roseman's decision to make that to make that move, and how it's obviously been able to retain Jalen Hurts, move Carson Wentz, and rebuild that roster to be a Super Bowl contending roster. Yeah, to me, I think uh, obviously it paid off in the long run. But um, honestly, whenever you take a quarterback, there's always going to be pushback. You know, where even if you take him number one overall, uh, you take one late in the seventh round. Uh, really just comes down to the confidence you have in the quarterback currently in, on your roster. And it was pretty obvious the injuries were a big issue with Carson Wentz and the reason why they even start shopping quarterback. Uh, but with Jalen Hurts, I think what also blew him away was his leadership ability, uh, how he commands a room. So a lot of the things we don't get to see personally as like analysts, I think goes into that quarterback evaluation. Um, and I really think it just comes down to uh, situation and and what exactly are you trying to build or do? Um, and, and, you know, it was kind of a unique situation. Probably won't be replicated again, I would suppose. Uh, you know, paying over $100 million for a quarterback. Uh, then you end up drafting another quarterback. He actually ends up being your guy instead of the $100 million guy. Um, that's certainly not something that, that you typically see. But I think it really came down to who Jalen Hurts is a person. And, and the people in the building knew – and, and we've seen kind of the the question marks around Carson Wentz leadership and uh, just how people feel about him in the organization um, on his team. So I think that's kind of what went into it. And, and when you're taking a quarterback, especially in round two or three, um, there's a possibility they could see the field at some point. Um, and, and I think they saw that with Jalen Hurts. And obviously they probably didn't expect to move on from Wentz so quickly, but uh, that's just kind of how things add up, you know, in the NFL world. So I think for the Eagles, it certainly has paid off. And, and now they're about to sit on a contract pretend, a contract extension potentially for Jalen Hurts. Uh, but but they also made sure to tailor the offense around him and his skill set. 
So, you know, I think that's also part of the buy-in is one is the play style you play with. Is, is it sustainable? Uh, it, is it going to make sure that you're healthy by the end of the season? Uh, and two, uh, how do you take care of yourself and your body in the pocket, outside of the pocket? And I think those are two things that Carson Wentz didn't check the box for and Jalen Hurts is able to do. Obviously, he got hurt with his shoulder injury, but uh, I mean, they were playing on, you probably would have played through that injury uh, if it were not for them already wrapping up the one seed. So I think uh, that's kind of what come down to. It's a long winded answer, but I think it really came down to some of the intangibles we don't see uh, and we don't really know about, uh, you know, when deciding uh, when to move on for a quarterback or uh, going on, going up and selecting one. Well, so before Matt, real quick, before yeah. we jump in, my follow up question on that, Devin, just keeping with the quarterback, the Vikings are kind of, I won't say they're in the same situation as the Eagles were with Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins, but I will say it does feel like there's a little bit of an ending with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota sooner than later. I'm not saying that it felt like there's an ending with Carson Wentz, but kind of similarity in that, like, hey, maybe the Vikings could, could go draft a guy, but maybe not on day one. When you look at the draft, obviously the Eagles have always, even before the Jalen Hurts situation, they've always seemed to want to have a backup quarter, an established backup quarterback or invest in that position. Where do you think the like a team like the Vikings, obviously Marcus Mariota this year, where do you think the Vikings could go to look to do a, to make a similar move, whether it's day two in the draft, you know, or even um, a free agency or trade for some of the younger guys that seem to be available across the league? Yeah, this this one, I think I don't want to say it's pretty easy, but, but a lot of the points have been uh, things have been pointing to uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA. And look, I get it on both sides of the coin. Like one side is like, yeah, you see the athleticism, you see what he's able to do out of structure as a runner um, and, and just the natural arm talent he has. But on the other side, he's turnover prone. Uh, he, he makes a lot of uh, questionable decisions. Uh, when things are going well. So I, I can see kind of both sides of the coin. But for me and a lot of people, uh, you know, even for their own teams, I've uh, seen the Browns people want him as a as a potential uh, down the line. Eagles want him as a potential down the line as well. So to me, that's kind of the the one that that media sticks out to me in the draft wise. Um, now, if you're looking across the league. I don't know. There's a, a lot of options uh, now that uh, the situation in Green Bay is, is looks like it's starting to clear up with uh, Jordan Love supposedly taking over. Uh, but maybe you go after a guy in, in San Francisco and Trey Lance, uh, a Minnesota kid, uh, you know, kind of grew up in the area already. Um, and, and obviously Minnesota passed over him. The University of Minnesota passed over him. He went to North Dakota State and did big things. Thought he was a safety here. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but to me, he's probably the other option I see uh, just based on what it sounds like that uh, they're going to roll with Brock Purdy whenever he comes back. Um, and, and, he, and it just doesn't seem like Lance is, is going to win the job and, and not really a, a popular thing. Maybe you take a, a late round flyer on uh, Malik Willis, who seems like he's probably going to be QB three in, in Tennessee because they're going after a quarterback in this class. So those are two guys I would say. If you want to bet on them, I'd probably give a mid-round for Trey Lance, maybe a sec or third or fourth, uh, with with uh, Malik Willis probably a seventh. But I think those are two other guys you could possibly look at. If you don't want to move on from Kirk Cousins this year or even the next year, uh, if you're looking for just like you know maybe long-term down the line options, those are two other guys I will I will bring up as well. And and real quick, just like 
what you're talking about with the Eagles and what we're obviously potentially talking about with the Vikings, don't be content at quarterback until you found your guy. I mean, we've seen a lot of these examples. I mean, we talked about the Eagles. We've talked about the Chiefs, right? Going, you know, they had Alex Smith, who's running real well down uh, down there in Kansas City, and they went up and traded up to go get you know Patrick Mahomes. You know, you, just because you have a good quarterback in hand right now doesn't mean that that's that's the quarterback. Go find your guy and 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 bet on him, even if you do have a heavy investment in at your current position. I mean, even this is a way different type of example, but the Cardinals did the same thing, right? They traded up for Josh Rosen and then they went into Kyler Murray in the first, like the year that, you know, the next year. So it's like, just don't uh, be content with what you have. Go find the guy that you think will take you to the next level. Yeah. I mean, to kind of add to that point, um, organizations know probably in a year or two, if, if they have a guy or not, it's not really a three, four year thing. I mean, there are certain situations like a Daniel Jones who really took towards the end of his contract to see what he really was. But uh, he also had a great uh, mind and Brian Dabble come along and, and really develop him. So to me, you probably know within a couple of years if the guy that you have is is worth it or not. We saw the Vikings tried to do that a couple of years ago with Kellamon. He's already off the roster. So uh you know, I would say organizations typically know way before fans if if a guy is, is going to be the guy or not or has a, the potential to be. So uh, I definitely agree with that point that you can't be, uh, you know, content with what you have. Uh, you should always be looking to upgrade, even if that's at the most premium position in football. Let's shift it now to the, to the people that they might be throwing to, because obviously the Vikings moved on from Adam Thielen this year um, and there's kind of a void in our wide receiver room. Uh, we've talked wide receiver at length on this show, obviously, because we view it as a top priority. Uh, but some news, not necessarily news, but Jim Nagy, uh, you know, who kind of puts on the senior bowl, came out today and pretty much was like, you know, NFL teams, they don't view these wide receivers except, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba as first round talent. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on the wide receiver room? Um, who do you think could be a good complement to Justin Jefferson? And uh, we'll start there. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's always been Jackson Smith and Jigba at the top of the the list for me, um, just because of what he does as a route runner, his understanding of of spacing, uh, and what he was able to do in Ohio State offense uh, when he was healthy. So uh, that makes makes a lot of sense to me. And in general, I think it makes sense because you, you look at these the options at the top of the draft. Uh, Zay Flowers, he he's a bit smaller on the smaller end. He has great tools, great speed. Uh, but what does he play at the next level? He played a lot of outside receiver at Boston College um, and, and was able to create separation, especially on the vertical plane. But is he going to be big enough to last on the outside? I don't think so, at, at least at the NFL level. So to me, that makes sense why he's not getting first round buzz. Jordan Addison uh, did most of his damage in his career from the slot. Uh, I know he played a lot of outside receiver at USC, and, and he's a, a route running route running technician. Um, but with, in terms of physicality, he doesn't deal with it well on the outside. Um, go to Quentin Johnston, who a lot of people like, some don't like, some label him as a typical big receiver coming out. I don't think I don't think it's on either side, you know, people that extremely love him or don't love him. I do think there's probably split opinions because he's six three, what two oh eight, and sometimes he doesn't play like that and doesn't play with that size. So 
I, it makes a lot of sense. I think he has the receiving or uh, rack ability after the catch. Um, you know, has some really nice uh, ability even before the catch. Obviously, a vertical threat, but he doesn't always attack the ball as highest point. I thought his release packages could be a little bit diversified too at the line of scrimmage. Um, and I just want to see wanted to see him more of a presence even even the, on on the field and in. I know TCU with Max Duggan, uh, a lot of the passes due to him, some were overthrown, some underthrown. Uh, so you didn't have a, always an accurate quarterback. But I think with Johnston, uh, I think he, he feels more like a early second round talent uh, just based on, you know, some of the his deficiencies and, and not exactly being the, the most dominant guy that you expect from his size. So, I mean, that's just four names right there that, you know, while you see the allure with them, you see some of their skill sets, they're they're not really dominant skill sets. Some of it translates more to the slot. Uh, with Johnson, he feels more like a, a early on deep threat. So to me, I think it's really depending on, one, how do who do you value or what do you value in receivers? Do you want a guy that separates but uh, is mostly from the slot? Do you want an outside player that's more of a vertical threat but he's not going to give you uh, all the underneath routes? So to me, I think it really depends on on what you're looking for, um, and and does a guy have that ability to play inside out? And I think that's going to be a big thing for pairing up someone with Justin Jefferson because you want someone to one take away the attention from him, but two, if there's a lot of attention on him, can you command wide receiver two reps? Uh, can you win consistently in man coverage? Because they're they're going to throw you on the island, uh, you know, at wide receiver two playing the Vikings, and they're they're going to make you beat them and and can you do that consistently and i don't know there's a lot of guys that they're are going to be able to answer that specifically from the outside so i really think it depends on who do you what do you value and in is size in that equation and a lot of these guys are are smaller slot guys that uh you know probably are not going to be uh in that, mostly an outside receiver at the next level Miles being a wide receiver, uh, former wide receiver yourself, what what are you what are you thinking there? Yeah, I think the one thing with wide receiver evaluation, we've talked about this before, but I think for myself is I'm trying to adjust how I view players just because of how the NFL offenses are are becoming, especially from the college level. College always seems to to just to start the trend, and then NFL catches on later. But like the outside inside ability. And I think at the NFL level, you always have to have outside ability. Like it's just the way the NFL is and the way the athletes are, you can't just like only be a slot slot player. Um, It's really hard to be those types of players. Like you see like a Cooper cup who, yes, he's a better slot receiver than he is an outside, but that guy can still win in a variety of ways, not just as a true slot. Uh, Amon Rossi Brown's a similar style too. Justin Jefferson. Obviously we know that he can, he can win in all facets. I think, the idea is with with the way the NFL is going, though, is some of these guys that are quote unquote slot, not only, but, you know, slot specific is there's a role for those guys in the NFL mm-hmm. and they, they don't have to be pigeonholed into one one position. And just like cornerback in a way, guys can move around and they don't need to just be one spot only and 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 go. Um, so I try to I try to keep an open mind with that. Um, I agree with you that there isn't as many true like alpha, quote unquote alphas guys that are really going to go and win consistently be a, be an all pro level type receiver. I think Smith and Jigba is really the only guy that has maybe to me that ceiling doesn't mean other guys won't get it that 
we always see outliers guys. There's always that type of situation, but I think this draft alone really has guys that there's a lot of movement skills and a lot of like, I, I don't like to use the word gadget as much, but like not gadget, but like guys that are really good with the ball in their hands. And so you want to get the manufactured touches and around screens, quick, quick passes, those types of things. And so um, I like that for this, this season, if you're looking for those types of players, if you're looking for the bigger, big body type downfield receivers, there's not as much of that. Um, but I think those are the type of guys you could spend a mid third, you know, third round pick on instead of having to spend a first round pick on that. So um, I think it's all about like what your preference is. But when we talk Vikings, I think they don't need to go get like a big body X receiver to pair with JJ. They need to go get a guy that can compliment JJ in a way that, especially if they're going to have more, you know, two tight end personnel, two tight end sets, guys can move around. Like I always look at like the Cooper cup, Robert Woods, neither of those guys are big. Neither of those guys are like truly like outside dominating receivers, but they both were able to, to mix and match within an offense that didn't make them, didn't force them to do things that they weren't like good at. And so I think you could go find a guy like that for the Vikings to pair with JJ. Um, uh, Zay Flowers is a great example of that. We've talked Josh Downs. Um, I really like, um, uh, Jordan Addison personally, I just think he kind of has a little bit of that blend kind of Zay Flowers as well. I think those two guys really, to me, give me a really good blend of inside out ability, downfield ability and route running. And so you give that with a pair with, with a Justin Jefferson, that's what I'd be looking for. But, um, when you look at day two, day three picks, there's so much more variety there than there is. And like, I don't think there's many first round prospects at wide receiver this year. So I think you, if you want to create a variety for yourself, you could go, go look at, I've talked about Michael Wilson from the senior bowl, but like, I know Jonathan Mingo has become a really popular name. He's that one, like true big body, like X receiver, but he's good with the ball in his hands. He's explosive. Um, I've, I've recently watched Jared Wayne from Pitt who played with Jordan Addison. He's not as explosive, but there's Twitch and there's some short area ability for a bigger guy that could be a possession receiver, but he also wins with some decent route running. I don't think he's an early round pick by any means, but he's a guy that if you're looking for a bigger body guy late, he could be a guy to take a, a chance on. Devin, are there, are there guys in the, in the later rounds that you are, are looking at as potential high upside players? Yeah. One, uh, one player that really comes to mind that, that I've really liked, uh, you know, over the last like year and a half is uh, Jalen Cropper from Fresno state. Um, okay. And I think he's the blend of a guy that can play outside and from the slot um, just with kind of his route running acumen, the, the ability to, to run tempo uh, and kind of keep defenses, defenses off balance. Um, and all of his best games have come against top tier competition. Uh, you look at UCLA game uh, from 2021, he had a fantastic game against them, uh, had a really nice game against Oregon State this year. Um, you know, had had a decent showing against USC before Jake Kaner got hurt. Um, and for me, I, I think he's a guy that can be kind of that blend of, of an inside and out type of player. He played a lot of slot because they wanted to get him the ball quickly. Uh, and obviously, Jake Kaner doesn't have the biggest arm, so he's not going to be able to stretch the field like some some NFL quarterbacks might be able to. Um, but I think they they use him all over the place. So they they threw like uh, jet sweep motions to him. Uh, kind of manufactured touches, uh, but then he has the ability to to get open, find the the soft spots and zones, um, and, and really uh, be dynamic after the catch too. Um, twenty twenty one particular was was probably his best season at Fresno State. Uh, just his his ability to to get open, um, you know, make 
catches in, in kind of a crowded area. He's fearless over the middle of the field. Uh, so he's a guy to me that probably carves out a little bit better career uh, than, than where he'll get drafted. I think he'll probably get drafted in the fourth or fifth round. But if, if that's a guy that, you know, you could see uh, becoming, you know, uh, a really high-level wide receiver two or three, I, I would bet on him. Uh, as a guy. And then Jaden Reed from Michigan State has also gotten a lot of buzz on social media. <laughs> there he is. And, That's my uh, guy. Yeah, he, he has he has a, a really nice speed, obviously, uh, ran, ran a really fast 40. Uh, but I think he does a really nice job of understanding how to create space down the field. He's not the biggest guy. I think he was 5'9 or 5'10. So he's not going to be a guy that you put in a lot of contested catch situations. Um, but his ability to threaten vertically, I think, allows him to run those, uh, you know, dig routes, allows us to run those comebacks uh, because people were worried about his speed and uh, what he does. And, and he was able to stick on the outside, um, you know, as a as a guy that, you know, was, was small in stature. But uh, I was watching the Wisconsin game last week and he caught the game winning touchdown uh, on a fade route. Uh, and he was able to, to use his uh, small frame and, and still make a contested catch in the corner of the end zone. So those are two guys that, to me, were probably borderline. Maybe you could take them late round three, early round four, and and I will be uh, just fine with. Uh, but a guy to me that um, I really think is a bit underrated in this class. He didn't get the test, um, and and you know he's also a, a smaller slot receiver, uh, quote unquote, but plays much bigger. Um, is Parker Washington from Penn State? Um, he's another player for me that. Just the offense he played in just did him no favors. Uh, a lot of the times he's having to make contested catches. Uh, he has, I mean, if you you look at his highlight reel, he he has one-handed catches, one against Michigan State, one against Arkansas. Made had a, a career game against Ohio State this past year. Missed the last couple games with an, an ankle injury and hasn't really tested. And I don't think he's going to be a blazer, but. He understands, one, how to use his body and use route tempo to keep players off balance. And two, he runs like a running back with the ball in his hands. Um, he bounces off of tacklers. Um, they they got him the ball a lot in those, that jet sweep action, dumped it dumped it off. And and he's always finding space, always find the little spaces to, uh, you know, uh, exploit zone coverages. So those are the three guys for me, if, if you're looking for late round receivers that, you know, may not at the surface uh, fulfill the requirements in terms of height, size, uh, but but have tremendous ball skills and and have maybe one or two traits that that you really really uh, appreciate. Uh, I think those guys can can put uh, turn out to be uh, some really nice either wide receiver two or threes. I think though they have the skill set to do so. Yeah, Jane awesome. Reed for me was sorry, Ryan, real quick. Jane Reed for me was like a, a mid round Zay Flowers. So like if you can't get Zay Flowers early go get Jade Reed in the middle rounds because they're similar. Uh, Jade Reed's a little bit bigger. He's like 5'11", 190. So not like super small, but like I think there's still some of that style play, inside-out ability too. So, but Ryan, go ahead. No, no, that's all good. So, you know, we talked about receivers potentially, uh, you know, maybe not going to be our, our round one target because grades are pushing some of those other guys to day two. The other group that we wanted to talk to you about today was the defensive line and where we need help. Obviously, we, we are certain uncertain of the futures of Daniel Hunter and of Zadarius Smith. We just signed um, Davenport to a one year deal. So outside linebacker edge, whatever you want to say, 
shaky for the future for us. Interior defensive line, we have Harrison Phillips, and that's about it. And we signed Dean Lowry. We have Kyrus Tonga, a couple of names, but you know, no one special. So are, is there some good defensive linemen, both from the edge and the interior, that maybe we would want to target on day one? Or if you want to maybe talk to as well about some of those day two guys that if we decide to trade back, that really intrigue you. Yeah, edge rusher is this is a great class to get an edge rusher. Um, you can find a lot of guys that uh, are going to go in, in rounds two through probably four or five that uh, could probably find a role within a year one or year two. Um, so uh, kind of just kind of racking my brain. It, it's some some potential options uh, for me. I'll go I'll work my way from day three and then go back to day two. But for Edge specifically, uh, a guy I think that's not getting a lot of buzz and uh, didn't really have the greatest senior bowl. But I still really like his film is Isaiah McGuire from Missouri. Um, he has a really, really strong hands at the point of the attack point of attack, um, has the ability to, to extend uh, and kind of control uh, opposing offensive tackles. Um, and he has some some decent bend around the edge. He's not going to be uh, one of those flexible edge rushers like a B.J. Ojolari or uh, a Nolan Smith, but uh, he's really strong at the point of attack. And he's a really good run defender. Um, he's, he's able to kind of maintain his gap, lock out, peak and, and make the tackle. Um, and, and he's a guy to me that that has a really high motor, uh, has really nice intangibles and size. Um, and and he, do, he won't blow you away like athletically wise or, or testing wise. But if you're looking for more depth, uh, a guy that can play a five tech, uh, maybe he can be a stand up, stand up outside linebacker. I think uh, he has a, some tools and, and ability to do that. Uh, so he's a guy to me that I think that could be a potential target. Um, you look at the, the day two, day two classes is really robust and it really depends on, uh, the type of guy you're going for. If you want more of a, uh, exciting, um, you know, kind of do it all edge rusher. I, I would like a BJ Ojolari on day two His testing, uh, wasn't the greatest. Um, he was dealing with a hamstring in- injury, but in a guy that can, can come off the edge, uh, be really bendy and, and athletic. Uh, and, and threaten uh, tackles and, and force them to, to overset and, and win back inside um, and, and have some decent ability as a run defender, but but certainly not perfect. I think Ojolari would uh, be a nice fit uh, for sure. Uh, then uh, kind of a, a later day three guy to me, uh, Rice Edge, Ikenna, in, see, in Chiwuko, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but uh He's a, another guy that popped on my radar earlier in the season and, and went back and, and uh, took a deeper look at him. I think he's another guy that has some uh, you know, inside-out versatility. Maybe you play him at three-tech, maybe you play him at five-tech um, and kind of move him around a little bit in the interior. But he's a really disruptive and, and powerful, uh, especially against USC earlier in the season. So uh, those are a couple names from the edge class in particular that kind of stand out to me in terms of Hey, this could be, you know, uh, a guy that you, you know, t- select later in the draft and, and maybe he can turn out to be, uh, you know, down a year or two away from from being uh, a heavy contributor. Um, but if you're looking more so like immediate, uh, you know, guys that help you on the edge, uh, certainly Ojolari and then Auburn edge, uh, Derek Hall as well. Uh, if you're looking for more of a power rusher that uh, can threaten, uh, you know, high side winning uh rush on on the outside i think hall uh kind of fits that bill uh really strong uh in the run game as well 
Um, it, it just has powerful hands and, and can really uh, maintain and, and hold blocks well um, at the point of attack. So those are a couple of names to me that stick out. Uh, there's so many more names as well. <laughs> uh, you think about Will McDonald, uh, who we saw down at the senior bowl, and uh, he's, he's obviously fits all the checks, all the box in terms of, uh, you know, flexibility, uh, ability to, to win inside and out. Uh, he's playing Likes anime. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he does it all. Um, but, but the edge class to me, man, you, you find, you can find really uh, starter level guys from rounds two to four. And then, you know, five through seven, there's, there's guys with traits that maybe takes a, a couple more years to develop, but certainly has the skill set to, to be uh contributor at the next level. So as far as then like interior defensive linemen, I know I've, we, we've had conversations, Miles and Ryan will roll their eyes when I, when I mention his name again, but Keanu Benton, um, you actually just wrote a really great article on him just the other week, but who are some other guys um, for interior defensive linemen that the, the Vikings could target? Yeah, to me, I think it really depends on how early you want to go with defensive tackle. Um, I don't think the depth of this class is as robust as some of the other positions. I think you're pretty much going, if you want to get a defensive tackle, it's probably going to be in the first two or three rounds, uh, at least a defensive tackle that uh, can be, uh, you know, uh, start a level immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. Benson is certainly at the top of the list for sure. Um, big fan of his and, and what he does in the interior. Uh, obviously, Jalen Carter will be out of reach. Um, he should be gone uh, by 10 uh, at the latest. Um, but you look at guys like Brian Brisset and, um, you know, some some of the some of those names, obviously, Kalaja Kansi. Um, those guys are, are more so you're not going to get – a quote unquote like one one or zero tech uh you know really probably in the first two three rounds uh, i know siaki ika is a guy that probably is a a one tech or zero tech at the next level but you're going to get a lot of like three techs you know and, and a lot of, of guys that can move around maybe they can go bump out to five tech uh but but guys like brisse and, and cancy are probably guys that uh, play three tech, uh, a guy I like that that maybe goes late day two or early day three. Kobe Wooden from Auburn, he probably plays three tech, but but started his career as a five tech, um, and, and has some ability to to split, um, you know, guards and tackles. Uh, has some some uh, interesting speed uh, at the point of attack, agility. Uh, can can really use his swim move to his advantage, and uh, really has a nice motor too. So Kobe one is a guy that that would would tar- target if you're looking more so the versatile guy in the interior, uh, but ne- ne- doesn't necessarily play zero one tech. Um, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green is another player that I will be interested in. I'm very interested to see where exactly he goes, because some people think he may go in the mid round. Some think he's probably a later day three option, uh, but went to the senior bowl, had a really nice week, didn't get invited to the combine. Uh, which was a little bit surprising. But you turn on his film, and he's a 300-pound defensive lineman uh, rushing from the edge um, and, and coming off the edge to to really be a menace in the MAC. Uh, and he doesn't do, just do it at the, against MAC opponents. He did against UCLA and Mississippi State, too, uh, which I kind of want to highlight because a lot of people, when you talk about him, they they say he was beating up on lower competition, but, but he also uh, made an impact against UCLA and Mississippi State. So... Those, those kind of the the names I'm just kind of throwing out there as, as potential options. But 
Uh, Gervon Dexter is another guy that probably plays three tech at the next level, although he did play some zero and one tech at Florida. I just don't think his, uh, you know, his handwork is up there to be, uh, you know, in that and, and dealing with double teams. He does, just doesn't do it as consistently. He uh, needs but, a motor. Yeah. That, that's what he needs. Yeah. Yeah, and he needs to get off the ball quicker as well. Uh, but Gervon Dexter is someone else that comes to mind. Maybe he's better suited as a three-tech. So, to me, I think there's a lot of, you know, game-wrecking three-tech ability in this defensive tackle class. You're not going to get a lot of guys that can uh, really do it from from zero-one-tech. Um, Jalen Carr really is the only – obviously a top one. Keanu Benton uh, is a ne- the next one. Then probably Siaka Ika are probably the three guys that you want playing right over the center and, and could, being uh, disrupted. Could Maisie Smith be doing this? I think he's more of a three-tech, too, um, to okay. be honest. And I think he can play one-tech, and he can be disruptive if you're asking him to not constantly face double teams and uh, just be a space eater. But if you're asking him to be a space eater, I just don't think that's an effective use of his skill set. Um, Especially in a three four in a three four that that's you can't really hide those nose tackles too. That's the hard part. Yeah. So to me, I think with Mozzie is I see him as a potential high level three tech. And I think he can be an above average one tech or zero tech, but I just don't think if you're trying to maximize his skill set, I I don't think him putting him at just uh you know as one shade or or right over the center. Uh, does him justice and you can see a little bit of that on on the Michigan film uh he, he just isn't as comfortable dealing with that play after play uh which makes a you know a guy like Keanu Benton in my opinion so valuable because he's really outside Jalen Carr he's really the next guy that can do that consistently and you know if, if a team needs him to do that he'll do it but certainly Benton would be uh, probably a dominant three tech uh, with his skill set and ability to disrupt. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with the defensive tackle class. I think there's a lot of really good three potential three tech type players where if you need them to do that, uh, they certainly can. But I just don't think there's a lot of guys that you throw over uh, the center and, and it's going to be they're not going to be as effective. That's certainly a, a lot of names to to sit here and ponder over the next few weeks. I know anything can change for the Vikings. I, I, I really don't know what they're going to do except for maybe trade back. But now we're getting rumors this morning that they could be a dark horse candidate for, for pick three. So who, who knows anymore? <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you, Devin, hopping on and, and talking about the wide receiver class, the defensive line class a little bit. Um, before we let you go, can you can you let people know where they can find you and anything that you're you're working on here uh, in the coming weeks? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at real d underscore Jackson. You can find uh, most of my uh, Eagles uh, draft material on uh, the Inquirer or just Inquirer.com uh, for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, working on some positional previews for the tight end class uh, that will be up by Wednesday, and then. Uh, probably on Friday as well, have a look at the linebacker class um, as well and, and take a, a deeper dive on, on both those groups. Excited to to get through a tight end class. I have three more guys to watch 
uh, before I wrap that up um, and, and really excited with what this class could do. I think um, every team should be in the market for a tight end uh, in this particular draft, uh, just because I don't think we're going to get as deep of a group probably for the next couple of years. Um, so I, I would, I would suggest to teams that they're not already planning on doing so definitely looking at the tight end class uh, linebacker class, I think is probably a little, probably in the same area as the defensive line class. They have a couple guys up top, but uh, a lot of those uh, day two and day three guys are going to be uh, more specific scheme fits. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to dive into both um, and, and uh, you know, release that work. Uh, but, but yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Perfect. I, uh, I look forward to, to reading it. Your, your writing is exceptional and um, yeah, I just want to thank you for, for hopping on here today. Uh, for everybody watching this, make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we have a giveaway at 3,000 subscribers as well as a ton of more Vikings coverage coming up until the NFL draft. And if you're in town this Wednesday, April 12th at 730, Ryan, Miles, myself, will be at Lake Monster in St. Paul for our monthly Vikings hangout. Come have some beers with us, chat football. It's supposed to be a beautiful spring day in Minnesota. I think it's supposed to hit like 78 or something like that. So uh, we look forward to seeing you guys out there. And until next time, Skull Vikings. Mm-hmm.